Hey, welcome to the Sober Vibes Podcast. I am your host and sober pal, Courtney Anderson. You are listening to episode 118. We have an amazing guest today. His name is Glenn Doherty. And we are talking about what steps to take to overcome addiction. Glenn is a mindset and fitness coach. He helps men to overcome their addictions and train their bodies to peak physical condition. Glenn rules. That's what I'm going to say about Glenn. Glenn had great energy and the conversation flowed. And hopefully, as you will tell in this interview, I can interview his wife later on down the road for the Sober Vibes podcast. They also have a podcast that they do, which is called as they, as him and his wife do a podcast, they co-host one with one another about, and it's called About This Life Podcast. So if you are listening and you and your husband too went through issues of one of you being, of course, the addict, the one with the issue, listen to this podcast. It's great perspective. And he is very open about his journey. And I gave him a lot of credit. And I still give him a lot of credit because especially too, in this episode, he talks about cheating on his wife. And mistakes were made. And he owned up to it and they worked on their relationship and they're together this day, which I really like. But he talks more about his addiction. And like I said, what steps to come to overcome? I hope you enjoy this episode. Before we dig into it, the community for the meetings are going, I will start announcing that next week. I know I said on the previous episode that I would have it all together, but I'm going to launch it for the podcast next week because I slowly have to drip this out because it is going to be only so many people. I don't want to put it on everything and then signups get weird, all of that. I just try not to stress myself out pretty much, you guys. <laughs> because <laughs> it is a new feature on my website. So I want to make sure that it's all good to go and you're good to go coming into this community. And I'm super excited about it. It's going to be amazing. So one more announcement to make, and then we will get on to the episode. If you haven't, because it's the end of the month, almost the end of the month, and I think I only had till like the first week of March to do this. If you have not already, and it's okay if you live outside of the Detroit area, or the state of Michigan. If you have not already, please see the link below in the show notes or reach out to me via email or DM and I will send it to you. But I need your votes for the best of Detroit in our magazine. The Sober Vibes podcast is up, nominated, and also social media influence under Courtney Anderson. They did Courtney Anderson instead of Sober Vibes but I'll still take it because it gives more awareness to Sober Vibes and that is what I'm shooting for and it's cool. I believe too, I even will get maybe, you know, a steak dinner out of this at some type of reception, my friend was telling me. So me and Pa can go out for an evening, leave the dictator behind. So if you can, please vote below. I will be very grateful for those votes and let's take it home. Let's take it home, you guys. All right. Thank you so much. And as always, if you have not yet, please rate, review, and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. Other than that, I hope wherever you're at today, you are having a kick-ass day. And if you're not, there's always tomorrow. All right. Enjoy this episode with Glenn. Hey, Glenn. Thank you so much for being on the Sober Vibes podcast today. I'm very excited to chat with you. Me too. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Definitely yeah. has been waiting for this. For I, I know. <laughs> so why don't you tell us 
when you got sober and tell us, share with us your story. Yeah. So I got sober in October, 2018. So going back, there were a few events that led up to me choosing to be sober in terms of alcohol. I didn't really start drinking until college. So going into college, that was obviously a different experience because when I was in high school, I really wasn't like one of the popular kids. But once I got to college, for some reason, that changed. I was like very popular. It's not even trying to be conceited when I say that. So that came with a lot of partying, getting to know a lot of people, a lot of heavy drinking. And it was typical in college, you drinking from Thursday to Saturday, mm-hmm. you sleep in late. But that continued after I graduated college. And it just got more serious. The blackouts became more frequent, being arrested several times. I got my first DUI when I was 26. I'll never forget that. And taking vacations, going to Vegas. And so the what sparked me to go to therapy, which is what I credit my sobriety to. Oddly enough, my wife and I, I was actually having an affair. It was pretty shitty, right? So yeah. having this affair, I was unhappy in the relationship. I wanted to go to therapy to figure out why I was unhappy. And then also trying to figure out like, who should I stick with? Should I go with the person that I'm dating or should yeah. I go with my wife? So a, I know it sounds ridiculous, but that's the <laughs> reason why. But it doesn't. <laughs> It doesn't. I think, though, when you are in, I think when you're in the frame mind that you were in, I don't think it sounds ridiculous. How long have you and your wife been together for? So we met in college. Okay. So we were kind of on and off. By the time I got sober, we were on and off for about 18, 17, 18 years. Okay. Okay. That's a long time. But we were only married we were only married for just over a year before we mm-hmm. got divorced. So it's going to therapy, trying to figure out who to stick with. It eventually became, hey, let me figure out this drinking issue. Hey, by the way, like I'm having these blackouts and I'm drinking a lot, doing binge drinking. And that continued. I continued to do my own therapy all the while dealing with the divorce eventually because my wife ended up finding out about the affair. And uh, we get divorced 2017, February 2017, around this time last year, or six years ago. We get divorced. And that's when I figured out to, hey, I need to get my life together because she kicked me out after my last arrest. My last arrest was just driving improper lane usage. I had like five, six different tickets around that time. So that was my rock bottom, getting arrested, getting kicked out. It was time for me to be on my own. We were doing the co-parenting thing. And even then, I didn't stop drinking. It wasn't until about six months after the divorce, we got back together. (laughs) Okay. We got back together because she noticed that I started to change. I wasn't drinking as often. I started going to therapy. I was in a relationship. I started dating shortly after the divorce. And she realized like, hey, he's with this new person. She gets the more evolved Glenn Mm. for dealing with me for 16 plus years at the time. She's like, hold on, wait a minute. And Mm. so we ended up having a conversation where it's just like, hey, why don't we give this another chance? 
I say, hey, you know what? Why don't you think about it? Because I don't know if this is you just having FOMO and seeing me with someone else. Go through your emotions. Think about this before we take this step, because I wasn't even sure if I wanted to go back as well. Yeah. And we both ended up making the decision to get back together. Now, about a year after that, she realized that she didn't really deal with some of the issues that she had with me during the divorce process. And so we ended up going to couples counseling and our own counseling. And it wasn't until October 2018 where I decided I got sober. And it was one event that led me to say, hey, you know what? This is done. I was changing jobs. And my last day on, on the job that I was leaving, my coworkers took me out, went to the bar. And lo and behold, drinking, I get blacked out drunk. I wake up in my boss's apartment with her husband. And the story is, I ended up there because I was too drunk to tell her where I live. And so once I finally get home, I'm scared. I'm like, man, I'm about to screw this up again. We just got back together just over a year ago. And I explained the situation to my wife. And I said, this is it. I just made the decision to stop. Just drop a dime and continue to go to therapy. And yeah, I've been sober ever since. Well, congratulations. Unpacking between that. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Was your boss there when you woke up, or was it just her, you were just or just her husband there? Were <laughs> Both of them were there with their kids. So it, nothing happened, thank goodness. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> so it wasn't one of those things. Right. But yeah. <laughs> but no, but think about it. You wake up hey, you, yeah. and you're not in your boss, you have no idea where you are. And then you don't see a familiar face. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, your like boss's husband is just there. What if you never even met the man? Like where you're like, who is this? That's true. But that is where consuming alcohol will take you. <laughs> Absolutely. Honestly, and it's taken people yeah. there whether they have a problem or not. Because there's nights where people drink way too much. And they're like, what the fuck happened? How yep. did I get here? So... Yeah. Did you have many a nights like that? Oh, there were so many nights like that waking up. As long as I had my keys in my wallet, that was a little bit of success from the night before. Even if I didn't remember, I'm like, man, at least I got my keys in my wallet. There was times where I would wake up and I'm like, where, where's my car? Like that movie, dude, where's my car? Like, that yeah. was true. Yeah, plenty of moments. Just what did I do? Waking up, checking my bank account, trying to put the pieces back together. Like, okay, I was at this bar and then I went here. There were plenty of those. So it was all too familiar. Where did your drinking evolve where it was daily or did you still kick it with the weekend warrior Thursday through Saturday mentality? Yeah, that's a good question. So it went from almost every weekend to be a weekend here and there. I didn't do it as frequently in my adulthood, but when I did it, it was just over the top and working. It, it didn't impact my job per se, like in terms of how I operated, but there were some situations that I got myself in terms of the workplace. That's where the affair started, was in the workplace. I was a coworker that I was with. And I'll never forget, there was a time where I was drinking during the week and We had some investors coming in the office the next day and I ended up passing out at a friend's house, waking up like, holy crap, I got to go to work. And I show up in the same clothes, half drunk. Mm -hmm. My manager's like, dude, you got to just leave, like go home and sleep at all. And yeah, it was here and there on occasion, but 
I realized that I couldn't handle it on the cage. It's just, there's no off switch when I would drink. So whether it was on occasion or every weekend, it's just not feasible for me. <laughs> yeah. And that off switch, a lot of people know it's just, it's, and it's almost like instantaneously, I, I can still remember it of just like, it was that first sip or two of alcohol and you just knew it was like, there's no stopping you. Yeah. Yeah. Was it like that for you? Yeah, no stopping. And it sometimes it would start out like, okay, maybe I can have one. It was those moments where, okay, I'm done drinking. And then it would go from I'm done drinking to, okay, maybe I could just have one. Right. Mm-hmm. One turns to two and two. So you're you're aware of it. I was aware of it before I would start drinking. But once I start drinking, I'm just completely oblivious to the fact that, hey, I'm about to binge drink. Like this is what you do. Yeah. And just trying to make compromises with myself to justify, hey, this is just an occasion. I don't do this every weekend now. Yeah, it it was tough. It was tough. It was hard to kick. Yeah. <laughs> so it, though in that year, because you said it was about a year that you were doing therapy until you mm-hmm. was your therapist, did your therapist ever suggest to you to quit drinking. I had a therapist suggest to me to quit drinking and then I stopped seeing her. <laughs> therapist isn't on your side. <laughs> I like this has been a fun couple months. Time to go. You figured yeah. it out. But like but so it was the, your therapist did that person help you with I think that that's a good question because we did thinking back, we didn't necessarily tackle like the drinking issue directly, it was more of the issues that I was dealing with internally. It wasn't mm-hmm. just about the affair. Going through therapy, it was thinking childhood and situations that you go through growing up, relationship with parents. And so all of those things started to unravel. And that kind of became the catalyst to help my drinking issue. And then it was also figuring out that really pinpointing my drinking issue because like I mentioned, I could go weeks without drinking, even months. But when I drink, it's nonstop. And so I didn't know what that was. So I was actually doing research to figure out like, hey, what is this issue that I have? And then figuring out like, okay, this is called binge drinking. I literally Mm -hmm. didn't know that until doing some research. And so once I identified like, hey, okay, this is the type of, I guess, alcoholic I am. This is the type of drinking issue that I have. And then knowing that along with uncovering all the internal issues that I went through and kind of resolved through therapy, that actually helped. So it wasn't like, hey, let's attack this drinking issue. It's, hey, why are you cheating in the first place? What's been going on with your relationship for the past 15 years? And then it's like, Oh, my parents are divorced and here's what I witnessed growing up. And you start uncovering stuff. And that's really what helped me figure out the drinking issue. Isn't couples therapy though so amazing? It it is. (laughs) It's very hard and awkward because my husband and I went through couples therapy 2018. And there were some uncomfortable trips to Costco after that. (laughs) that. But honestly, having a therapist sit there. And like say things to you where you're like, why are we paying somebody to tell us this? But we needed that. Like it was just, it was a world of difference. Yeah. You need that third party. Uh-huh. Like, we actually tried couples counseling before I got sober. Just wasn't hearing it. No, you know? yeah. I was just in a different frame of mind. Mm-hmm. I would go 
And one of the issues that we had was I would spend a lot of money, right, when I was binge drinking, bar tabs, vacations. And that was an issue that we tried to resolve. And well, at least my wife tried to resolve with me during couples counseling. And I just remember trying to justify why I should be able to spend money on bar tabs. And the both of them were just kind of confused. Like, is this person really trying to justify and say that this is okay. So you you really have to be in the right frame of mind and be ready to hear what the therapist has to say, right? Because yeah. I've yeah, I've been on both sides. I was ready for therapy, couples counseling, and I wasn't ready for couples counseling. It was two different outcomes. Yeah. yeah. And I did like though that you guys both did couples therapy and then you're separate. We did that too because you do need your separate. There's a reason you get to a place that you get to in majority of the time, it takes two to tango because when you are with somebody, it is a partnership and whatnot. And it's not all just one belief that it's just not all one person's fault. Yeah, that's true. It's that's 50, true. 50, you know, so at, so when you got sober, then was therapy your main go-to what else helped you in your recovery process? Yeah. Therapy was my go-to and health and fitness. Health and fitness has, it's always been a passion of mine. And I joke because even when I was drinking, I was still training. I was a bit, a little more undisciplined at the time. Mm-hmm. My, my nutrition would fluctuate and I would get in shape, get out of shape. I'd be in the gym hungover. Like that's how dedicated <laughs> I was. But once I really got disciplined, it was health and fitness and it continued to help me in life. So I would, yeah, therapy and health and fitness, that's the main things that helped me. Well, you know, fitness, it's just, it does something to the mind where it really just does calm a lot and it gets out a lot of aggression and two, it makes you just feel better. Even on a day, if you wake up feeling shitty on a day, like that's okay. But if you go and do an exercise, whether it's 10 to 45 minutes, and it's just such a world of difference. Yeah. Yeah. Once you feel better, you obviously start making better decisions. Uh You have more clarity. You can think. And what I also, the other change that I made was I would go train after work. So I would work until five, six or so, then go to the gym. But there was a point where I said, hey, you know what, let me challenge myself and start going in and start waking up 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning and doing that every morning. And that's helped. Having that discipline to wake up every morning, get there before most people get there and being able to just take care of myself before I go to work and start having to take care of the family and the kids, just leaving that time for myself so that that has helped. Like my morning routine, I stick with that every morning and journaling is a part of that and just really taking that time to myself that's helped as well explain to me and to the listeners your morning routine because a lot of people get they overcomplicate the morning routine (laughs) and the night routine where they think they have to do like hours upon hours of stuff where it's like okay i wake up i put my feet on the ground where it's just like like my morning routine is get CJ up. He now walks around with his milk in the morning. I drink my coffee. I put him in his little playpen area, prison, I call it. And then for like 15, 20 minutes, I journal, I read, um, and my gratitude. And like, that's what I consider 
my morning routine. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned gratitude. So I'll kind of, I'll go through my routine. So I'll wake up at 4.30 <laughs> and I'll have some water. I'll mix a tablespoon of apple cider vinegar and I'll kind of sit there for about 10 minutes and kind of visualize. And I'm getting real specific here. No, I like take, it. Uh, yeah, I'll take my pre-workout before I go to the gym, brush my teeth. Then I'll journal. And part of my journal there's a gratitude section. And so that helps me with in practicing gratitude. What am I thankful for? So it's we always want more in life, but we still have to be thankful for what we have today. And then the y'all journal, what's on my mind? Things that I might have learned yesterday, situations that occur, you know, what I intend to do that day. I'll finish my journaling and then I'll head out. Now, what has changed in, in my routine over the last handful of months is my oldest son, he does football. And so he's a freshman in high school. Now in the off season, he's training in the morning. So he's getting up at 4.30 in the morning as well. And so I'll drop him off before school to go train and then I'll head to the gym. And so I'll do my training. I'm in there for about an hour, no longer than an hour and a half, depending on what I do at the gym. And then I'll go home, shower. And I don't know if I'm the only one that does this, but as I'm getting dressed, I like white noise, so I'll turn the fan on in the bathroom. And then I'm still even thinking, you know, about things as I'm brushing my teeth, putting lotion on, getting mm -hmm. my clothes on. So that continues. And then once I'm done with that, now I'm ready to attack the world. That's kind of my... <laughs> but it's simple. Like you just yeah. don't... It just doesn't need to be overcomplicated and nor does it have to go like to hours upon hours until you're sitting there eating lunch at noon. So right. just yeah. like, just a short little block of like you know, what really, especially for us who are in the world, because you have to find a chunk of your day where you ground your ass and respect your own sobriety. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, you just have to do it. Like, like you said, like people overcomplicated, they start thinking about situations that won't even happen. So mm -hmm. just wake up early or just start journaling, just figure out your routine. That's what works for me. It's what has worked for me. And I think it would work for other people with their own nuances in there. Mm -hmm. Just don't overcomplicate it. Yeah. 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 It's true. Does your wife have a morning routine too? <laughs> I don't well, want my wife on black. But sometimes, <laughs> but this is the thing that's okay. Yeah. So like, on uh, it's different now that we have our son, but there was a period of time where Matt was like, you're really going to do that every morning? Like when I started it, I'm like, yeah. So like, but sometimes a spouse could be a negative influence on someone trying to incorporate that or be up in their space or like asking like, why are you doing this and not understanding. So that's why I asked if your wife does something too. Or yeah, no, I, la I laugh because my, my wife, she's sleeps a little later than me. She just doesn't sleep late in the day. She'll get up around 7, 7.30. But she's helping our youngest son get ready for school. Yeah. But once he's off to school, then she trains. She actually trains in the garage. I, I'm like, hey, why don't you just go to the gym? But that's her space. She likes doing that, training in the garage. And once she's done, she'll get ready and log in for work because we both work remotely. And that's kind of her routine, but I laugh because with my routine, she just like shakes her head because I go to bed at 8.30 every night. And she's like, 
calls me an old man. <laughs> and I'm like, waking up at 4, right. 4.30. We have very different routines. Mm-hmm. Up late, wakes up a little later than me. I go to bed early and wake up earlier. But she's very supportive. Don't get me wrong. Like, mm-hmm. Very supportive of my routine. She knows it, it. It helps me, even though she's sad that we're not watching TV together at 9 and 10 p.m. Yeah. <laughs> she's very supportive so what steps would you take to overcome addiction give me like three steps that you would suggest to somebody to overcome their addiction hey i would love to share with you something that i think could work great for you imagine you just got sober you're working your program checking in with a recovery sober coach, checking in with your sponsor, maintaining your employment and thriving. Now imagine none of your closest friends or family believe you. This is why I'm sharing this because early on in my sobriety, there was a couple of times Matt didn't believe that I was sober. So much trust is lost during active addiction and it can be hard to convince loved ones that things are different, that you're different. This is where SoberLink can help. Soberlink's remote alcohol monitoring system is designed to help you sustain a sober lifestyle while rebuilding trust with loved ones. Small enough to fit in your purse or pocket and discreet enough to use in public. Soberlink devices combine facial recognition, tamper detection, and real-time results. So friends and family know instantly that you're sober and working towards your recovery goals. As a sober coach, I really can't think of a better tool to maintain accountability, strengthen community, improve sobriety to loved ones. Now, you might be thinking like, do I really need this? And honestly, it's different for everybody. I know quite a few people who have had to use this or something like this to prove to their spouses and or family members that they are sober. This does not just affect the person who is the drinker. I mean, a lot of damage happens during your active addiction and accountability needs to take place. And with this tool, you can show that. Let's make 2023 a memorable one. Please visit www.soberlink.com forward slash sober dash vibes to sign up and receive $50 off your device. The link is in the show notes. Check it out. If you do get this device, please feel free to reach out and let me know how it has helped you in your sober journey. Yeah, that's great. The first step I would say is uncovering what issues you have that maybe have led you to drinking. And what I mean by that is some people have different avenues, right? You have mm-hmm. AA, you have rehab centers. For me, it was therapy. I didn't go the AA route. I actually skipped out on a couple meetings and we can get into that afterwards if you want. But for me, it was therapy. For some people, it may be their pastor or yeah. so doing that first, okay, and getting down to what's causing you to do these things. The second thing is, and I heard this on one of your episodes, was finding out your hobbies. And we Mm -hmm. talked about like sort of that addictive personality that we have and putting that into something positive. And I think that I was lucky enough to already have something that I could put that energy into, which was health and fitness, despite being hungover in the gym some days, but figuring out what 
you're good at, what you want to put your time and focus on. And eventually, hopefully that leads to finding your purpose. And then ultimately, once you get sober, like we talked about, developing a routine that'll help you stay sober and a routine that will help you become a better version of yourself. Because like you said, we're always evolving. Who we were last year is the same person we are today and this year. And so you always want to continue to elevate and make sure you have a routine that'll help you do that. Yeah. And then plus two in the daily routine. And I don't know if you were like, I mean, it doesn't really sound like you were like that, but we all have some type of chaos, right? And our active addiction. But like, I never had structure to my day other than going to work because that's what I did. We did of just like, well, I could function at work. This is no problem, a no brainer. It's like on autopilot, but like before and after work, it would, I would sleep until the last possible (laughs) because most likely I was hungover from the night before it's just in then rushing out the door and going to work. Then at that time I was in the service industry and then staying up until four o'clock in the morning and doing it over and over again. So there was nothing else in my day. So uh, yeah, I'm, I firmly believe on creating some type of structure and routine helps you become more disciplined and grounds yourself into your own sobriety. Yes, I totally agree because I was was doing the same thing. Like, even though I would train after work, that was probably like the only routine I had. I would wake up at a certain time because of of work and whatnot. But discipline is the key to everything. And And maybe it's just me, but I feel like some people look at discipline as a negative thing. It has like a militant connotation behind it. Yes. (laughs) And it doesn't have to be that because discipline can literally save your life. You know, it it saved mine. You have to be disciplined to stay sober. Like, Yeah, because because that's another thing, too. It's like, is it motivation that gets you sober or is it discipline? And I really do think that it's more it's got to be more discipline in the beginning. And then eventually it just becomes the way of life for you. Yeah, that's a good point. It's all discipline because I say this a lot, motivation fades. Like you get motivated to do a lot of things like New Year's resolutions. People are motivated like, oh, I got my 90 day diet plan. And that goes away every single time. What has to kick in for you to stick with that is the discipline. And so with, with discipline, you also have to take your feelings out of it. You're not going to feel like doing a lot of things, but it's the discipline. You just have to do it anyway. (laughs) You really do. But that too, as a mindset and fitness coach, I'm sure of, of how do you help your clients be disciplined? Yeah. It's sticking with the routine, but it's not coddling people. I think that's the main thing. Like, It's not coddling people, being direct, and then also helping people remember why they're doing things that they do. Like you have to get some leverage on yourself. What's the real reason that you want to make this change? Like, hey, I want to lose weight so that I can play with my son. Mm -hmm. I want to be around later in life for my grandkids, or I want to stop drinking because if I don't, I'm going to die or I'm going to end up in jail. So it's having that leverage on yourself mm-hmm. and people realize like, hey, this is why you're doing this. So, mm-hmm. And then also just do it, get out of your feelings and just 
combining those things that helps someone stay disciplined. Just get out of your feelings and understand why you're doing it. that too of getting out of your feelings. Just elaborate a little bit more yeah. of how one person would get the fuck out of their feelings. Because yeah. as we talked about in our little pre-chat before, like there's a lot of feelings that goes on when right before you quit and then those first couple months of getting sober. So how would you suggest for somebody to get out of their feelings? Because feelings keeps people still in their active addiction. That's true. So it's having the awareness that the feelings aren't going to go away. For me, I call it my bitch voice. <laughs> I know other people refer to it as that. And so that's just the negative self-talk. That's the talk that you compromise with yourself with. And so recognizing that, hey, that's going to be there. It's not going to go away. And you have to train yourself to ignore it. You literally have to know that, hey, I'm going to be in my feelings, yeah. I'm going to feel like doing X, Y, Z, or I'm not going to feel like doing X, Y, Z. And so knowing that that won't go away, recognizing, hey, this is this is my bitch voice. like, But I know that I have to do it anyway. It's literally just recognizing you're having to trick yourself and you got to do it every day. It's part of the habits. It's part of the discipline. So if you do that every day, you'll start to develop that level of discipline, but you have to help awareness. And so it's about helping people recognize that, hey, these feelings aren't going to go away. I don't feel like going to the gym sometimes, <laughs> believe it or not. Like there are moments where I'm waking up and I'm like, ah, oh, it's four o'clock in the morning. Like I woke up at four o'clock in the morning today. Did I want to stay in the bed? Absolutely. Warm outside, but I know I have to get up. So I get up and start the routine. So that's another thing that helps. It's when you're in your feelings, you notice you're in your feelings, just start taking the actions to do what it is that you need to do. And so, for example, going to the gym, if you start to get in your feelings and you don't feel like waking up, just get out of bed, brush your teeth, put your shirt on, put your pants or your shorts on, start packing your bags, start a protein bar, what, start mm -hmm. taking the small actions that you have to take to actually get to where you want to get. And if you do that every day, it becomes a habit, right? Yeah. And it becomes easier to overcome those feelings and stay in your discipline. Yeah. Especially too, when you're trying to quit, go going back to quitting drinking, but that's the same thing. You really just have to Ignore that voice. Yeah. And keep telling yourself, how, like, how do I want to show up? This is me drinking and then going back to how I felt yesterday is not how I want to keep showing up or waking up in my boss's house, not knowing where I'm going to be. I don't want to keep showing up or waking up in jail or waking up with massive anxiety where then it leads you into a panic attack by by noon or waking up with flashbacks of the disappointment of your kids looking at you like after a night of drinking like it's just there's so many scenarios of why you would want to quit drinking and just continue to discipline yourself and move forward yeah and i think we have enough memories as drinkers yeah. to pull back from and just thinking like okay if i take this drink you can imagine what will happen. It's mm -hmm. like looking in the future. If I take this drink, it's going to turn into three, six. I'm going to get drunk. 
I may even get behind the wheel and drive. And if mm-hmm. I do that, I could get into an accident. I could hurt someone. I could hurt myself. And so drawing back on those memories, like, hey, what will happen if I start drinking right now? That's what I started doing. Yeah. Just like, all right, if I make this decision, what's going to happen? Like, that's when you, though, quit in October of 2018. Were you at the point where you were just exhausted from the cycle where you were just good and tired? I was over it. Like, Mm -hmm. I was so over it. I was a little concerned because for me, going to Vegas was like a big issue in my life and in my relationship. Like, I would go to Vegas multiple times a year, blow money, not remember days of my life. (laughs) I was out there. And going back sober was probably the only little bit of anxiety that I had when I first got sober. But once I did that, I was like, oh, I'm good. Was that your first sober trip was back to Sin City? It's funny you at. I just realized that was the first trip (laughs) that I took. And of all things, it was my best friend's bachelor party weekend. (laughs) Okay. Bachelor party weekend. So I'm in Vegas. You really ripped that Band-Aid off. (laughs) Oh, man. Absolutely. But yeah, that was the first trip. It's funny you said that. And once I did that, I was like, I got this. Do you like to gamble? I actually don't gamble. I just go there to hang out. My my friends gamble. Okay. Yeah. Okay. My money was blown on bottles. And... Yeah. Yeah. All the extras. When you got sober, though, when was, how long did it take you then? What was the time? To, when to I got to Vegas? Uh-huh. Yeah. It was, we went in May. So May the following <laughs> year. So May 2019. So what? Six, seven months? Yes. <laughs> But like I said, I was so over drinking, but yeah. I did have a little anxiety. You know, that first sober trip, I think everybody has a little bit of anxiety of their first trip. And then you go through it and you're like, God, this feels so nice going home, not yeah. feeling terrible. Like I remember everything. I actually rested. I ha- I actually ate good food, you know, because, you know, those vacations prior, nobody was eating. Not at all. It's just alcohol. Yeah. (laughs) It was just alcohol. So it's just like, but that's the whole thing. You were able to quit drinking. I'm assuming, which I know just based off your social too, of you and your wife, there was good things, a lot of forgiveness, continued work. You guys have a podcast together now. In the podcast, is it all about relationships? Is it just... Yeah, that's a good question. We are going into other topics. So a lot of the topics, yeah, it it it's based on our relationship, but it's about lessons that we learned in certain situations. So it was sparked from our relationship. Mm-hmm. We have so many stories and learning lessons that we felt that could help other couples, but there's also other topics that are rooted from other situations that we have gone through. But yeah, a couple of years of uh couples counseling really helped and yeah, somehow we're the happiest as we could ever be. And I don't know, it's like a miracle. So the that we're doing this podcast, we've got a lot of good feedback from people. So it, yeah, it's been going well. It's been going well. And then how long did it, t- did you guys get remarried? Funny enough, we got, we're engaged. So Congrats, congrats. <laughs> yeah, we've I been like engaged it. for just over a year. So I had to repropose. But you must. <laughs> right. <laughs> this is a new chapter. Yeah, we did the courthouse the first time. So obviously she deserves the big wedding. Uh, yeah. Well, I like that. But this is the thing. 
In your story and a lot of people's stories, it's the power of forgiveness, right? Like you have, you had to get right with yourself, forgive yourself for those actions for hurting your family. And then your wife had to forgive you too. And you guys had to forgive each other. And I think that's a beautiful thing because same thing. It's like, oh, that son of a bitch or that bitch cheated, like blah, blah, blah. It's like, usually if there's something like that, it's because there's something internal going on too in the relationship. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, yeah. I don't, I'm not saying that I'm like, yeah, go out and cheat, but I don't find, I, I'm never surprised because marriage is hard. I'm never surprised of hearing of stuff like that. And I applaud you for being public about it yeah and because it is one of those things where it's just like you, it was a mistake yeah, but I, it brought you to where you were today so was it really a mistake or was it part of your learning and your growing process and to getting you to the point where you got sober that's a good point i joke with my wife i'm like man look where we're at now you just had to trust the process <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, we realized, like you said, there's there were issues, faults on both sides. Mainly my she realized that she was kind of condoning the behavior because she's putting up with it, right? So you can only do what you can get away with. And so there were things that she recognized her, her part. But yeah, obviously everything fell on me, but it was good for her to sort of grow from that as an individual. And that has helped our relationship. So yeah, I was the cause of the divorce. Just her recognizing like, okay, I had some con contributions to what happened and her recognizing that. And yeah, just growing from it on, on both sides. And yeah, like you said, it's helped us in terms of sharing it and we're completely open. And like I said, people are, they like how open we are and it helps mm -hmm. them learn as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's just, it's, What's there to hide? It's just, right. This is what happened. And yeah. two, you guys have been together a very long time. Yeah, you're talking just over 20 years. That's a long like, time. That's a long time. <laughs> <laughs> a, long time. <laughs> a lot of battles. But yeah, but that's the thing. It's like marriage is not all unicorns and rainbows. Like, And it's not, per it's the Disney films don't, it's, it doesn't exist. No. <laughs> and living with a person cohabitating can be hard some days. <laughs> Absolutely. I think that's where a lot of people mess up in their relationships. They they it's there's too many movies that show this fairy tale and that that yeah, there's love. You gotta deal with this person. They're gonna well, and even too, coming from, I don't know about your wife's background, but just coming from different backgrounds, like my parents are divorced, Matt's parents are still together. And it's like what he saw and what I saw were two totally different worlds. And then even to just, again, just dealing with each other's personalities. And we are very opposite people and we have to figure that all out. So it's just yeah. marriage. It's amazing, but it's a lot. It's work. <laughs> it's work. It, it is work. It is work. And as you, you have kids, and I'm learning that too, of it's like, this really is a partnership. <laughs> <laughs> Especially like, when you have more than one. Like, yeah. Are you guys done? Or are you going to have more? No, we're done. If we have another, it would be through adoption, but I think we're just, I think we're just a one and done. So, which yeah. I'm cool with that too. I had such a rough pregnancy. I actually asked my 
doctor back in the fall time when I went for my annual, I asked, I said, is it possible for me to carry again? And we just kind of came to the terms where he was like, you could, but you would have to do this and this and more the second time. And I was like, I'm just going to thank my lucky stars that I have one healthy little dictator. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, that's good. Because I know that, you know, I know that I took for granted the fact that we're able to have kids because, you know, we were we're thinking about a third and yeah. we're going through that process. And, yeah, we realized, like, man, we took that for granted, like, because now yeah. you go through those challenges as you get older to conceive. And so, yeah, it's it, like you said, it's good that you're able to have at least one. So, <laughs> yeah. And then but two, it's man and I have talked about it where we're like. Does more than two break human beings? And this is like a whole conversation <laughs> down the road. Like the other day, Colin was such a terror, such a terror. Like this kid got pots and pans out. He got my measuring cups out. I don't even know how he got these measuring cups out because they were up. Like, I don't know if he's scaling walls at this point. I don't know. But at the end of the day, man and I just like the house was a disaster. I was like, I have no energy for this. And him and oh, I went man. up and to bed and just stared at the ceiling. and didn't talk yeah. to <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I'm like, Matt, if we had a second one, would it break us? I think three would. Like it's yeah. when you got two, it's man on man defense. You got two people, but a third, I don't know. It's just, I guess it's all what the universe provides and just, right. that's just how I look at it. So is there yeah. any other message that you want to share with the listeners right now? Yeah, no, thanks for asking that. I would say continue to evolve and do the things necessary to continue to become a better version of yourself and be okay knowing that like we said, you're going to be in your feelings. Things will come up. You may have regrets, learning lessons, but just use that to fuel yourself in the right direction, which is just becoming the best version of yourself. Like I said, develop a routine, stick with your sobriety. And if you're just getting to the point of sobriety, then find out what's causing those issues, whether it's therapy, whether it's meetings, stick with it, find your passion, your purpose. There's a lot to be said once you find your passion and purpose, because then you have more meaning for life. And then it becomes a little easier to stay sober because eventually it's not about you. It's about the people around you, your Mm. loved ones, strangers. So you become someone that can help others. Right. And so just knowing that, like, hey, fix yourself and then help fix others so that you can just help this world be a better place. But again, it starts with discipline. <laughs> yes, it does. Thank you for sharing that. Where can people find you? Yeah, they can find me on Instagram at Glenn Doherty Jr. That's G L E N D O U G H E R T Y J R. And then they can also find me at About This Life, my wife and I's podcast. <laughs> so it's, it's been fun. We share a lot of learning lessons. So we're very open. And uh, yeah, you can direct message me. I do have a program that helps men develop their mindset, develop discipline, drop those negative vices, become sober, and really get in peak physical shape and be a, an example for people around them. I like that. That's virtual. Yes. 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 Yeah, I like virtual. that. Got a whole program. 
it worked for me and I know it can work for everyone else. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I will drop all of those links in the show notes. I just Thank had you. an idea though. I think I yeah. need to have your wife on this podcast. You should. <laughs> I do. And I, Cause I would like, I did it with one other guest, but there needs to be more stories of somebody who's the loved one of an addict or an alcoholic and how they process that and what they, the emotional, emotional kind of trauma they went through. Cause yeah, there's a lot. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there, there's a lot. I'm sure there's a lot that I didn't cover. Yeah. So yeah, she would love that. So yeah, let's definitely chat about that after this. Okay, perfect. All right. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much, Glenn. I really appreciated yeah. talking to you today and thank you for sharing your story. Thank you.